Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Freaking first cut. Golly! Hello, YouTube. You've been served. That's what Phil Mickelson and others said to the PGA Tour filing a lawsuit today. We are going to deep dive all of that and see what comes out. Hit the like button. Make sure you're subscribed. We'll jump into it right now. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is an emergency breaking news pod about Live Golf, Phil Mickelson, and him suing the PGA Tour. Mark Immelman is here. Good to see you, Mark. How's it? This better be good because I'm packing for Greensboro tomorrow morning. Uh, I don't know. I got off the golf course, or not the golf course, the lesson tee, and producer Jacob texts me, goes, uh, can you do an emergency pod because of the lawsuit? And I was like, what lawsuit? You know, yeah, we are. Uh, as the world turns, I guess, right? Mark was very upset we ruined his afternoon uh, yeah. for an emergency an emergency pod. Uh, Kyle Porter is here. KP, welcome. Yeah. What? What's your hat, Rick? Thank you for asking. I get, this is the best hat. That is a Travis Matthew LA uh, Dodgers collab hat that was okay. only available at Riviera this year. So it's got the TM, but it's in like yeah. a Dodgers script. I thought it was like, yeah, okay. I see that. It, it says cool. LA within within it. Yes, it does. Yeah, that's cool. Um, my only thing right now, I've got a bunch of notes here, but uh, if anybody has questions or anything they want us to sort of answer, uh, just leave a comment and we'll try to answer whatever questions you have. I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to legal issues, so I'm I'm well equipped for this podcast, but we'll do our best to kind of answer whatever whatever you guys have. Well, lucky for you, we did not fire up this emergency pod without our in-house yeah. counsel, right? We need a little backup. On this one, that's the one, the only Sia Najad. Sia, this is worlds colliding for you. Oh, and he's got oh, the build my up gosh. and he's on mute. Oh, no. is... Can you believe it? No, oh. listen, it, it is worlds colliding. There's a lot of stuff happening with the NFL, with the PGA, with Liv. So this is actually a really interesting time for me because usually there's not the the crossover that we're looking for here. What's your what's your background there? See, I, I didn't I didn't know about this. Yeah, thanks for asking. See, now I get to give everybody my resume. Kyle, you're the best. So, pract I'm I'm licensed in Virginia and in Florida. I practiced uh, civil civil law, a little bit of criminal, uh, in Virginia for three years, in South Florida for ten years. Uh, I still have an active license in both states, but I actually haven't been practicing law for the last four or five years. Okay. Active license, but I'm not actually practicing. Gotcha. Here's the latest. Uh, Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau, and nine other live golfers have filed an antitrust lawsuit against the PGA. 
a tour. And in addition, uh, three golfers who I can grab their names are seeking a temporary restraining order from a federal judge that would allow them to play in the FedEx Cup playoffs, which, oh, by the way, those start next week. So um, that 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 is something that could happen very, very quickly. Those three, Taylor Gooch, Hudson Swafford, Matt Jones. Let's stop there because, Sia, I have probably already said a lot of words that, one, I do not understand and that everyone <laughs> out there does not understand. So what are we what are we looking at from from this suit? So let me give out the qualifier first. I mean, I, I think any attorney knows the antitrust laws to some degree and the implications of them, but I'm not an antitrust lawyer, but I'm pretty familiar with what is going on here. I mean, first of all, just as a, as a bare minimum, what antitrust laws are meant to protect is in most cases, the consumer, but also in this case, maybe the golfers themselves too, but protecting them from a monopoly. Because if you have a monopoly, if you know, as alleged, I'm sure what the loss, I haven't read the complaint yet. I'm, I'm assuming it alleges um, very specifically in many, many parts of monopoly. And it probably gives examples in the complaint uh, of, of that monopoly. Anytime you have a monopoly, let me reduce it to something that's a little bit more applicable to the everyday. Let's say Comcast was the only cable network in town. And if they were, and they stomped out all the competition, then what, what ends up happening to all of us? Our prices go up and there's no alternative for us. So the antitrust laws in general are meant to incentivize competition the complaint is over 100 and 100 pages long i think it's 103 pages as uh sia points out there are plenty of examples of the pga tour being a monopoly that that's kind of the big thing here mark that seems like like the path uh the the players will say hey they've been a monopoly for years it's infringing on our ability to do x y and z Yes, and with whatever I say, I'm going to defer to Sia and his expertise. Um, but I will just always say this to you, that the PGA Tour, albeit critiqued for a number of different things by a number of different avenues, is a membership organization. They exist to serve their members, and their members have a players' action, uh, action committee who in essentially define the bylaws and operations, everything that goes through that committee and, and the players, whatever they're called, um, before it's put in the uh, in the, the PGA Tour Constitution, if you will. So, so yeah, they've been. This has been tried before by Greg Norman against Tim Fincham, and so this is round two. And, and the PGA Tour have been around this block one time before. Norman says he has as well in a recent interview with uh, with Fox News, and he's like, "Well, the PGA Tour are following exactly the same playbook." And I'm like, "Well, if they won the lawsuit the first time." Why would they start trying to follow a different playbook? But that's just me, logical golf instructor slash announcer guy speaking. But but we have to remember that the PGA Tour is a membership-driven organization. It's not a corporation. So I feel like, Sia, you can add to this. I feel like that sort of muddies the water a little bit, surely. Yeah, there's a lot of things uh, that muddy the water. Go ahead, Kyle. Real quick, just to... To kind of clarify for people listening, you're you're talking about a for-profit organization, uh, sue or uh, employees of a for-profit organization suing a not-for-profit organization. How, does that? And I think that it's essentially what Mark was getting at. I, I think, hopefully, I'm saying that correctly, Mark. How does that affect things at all, CEO? Like, it, it, like they're kind of inequitable organizations, I guess, is what I'm saying. 
That's true. They're they're on a different playing field. Honestly, I don't think it's going to affect things too much. To be honest, if it did, I think it would ignore to the benefit of Live because if it's a not profit and it's a it's a more of a charitable organization, which we know the PGA Tour very much is in large regard, then I think they would actually be held to a, a slightly higher standard than a corporation would be. So again, I'm I'm sort of speculating on that based on how I see it, but I don't think that's going to come into play as much as some of the some of the stuff that's going to be pointed out by I assume the uh, live attorneys. I can't believe I'm actually saying that out loud. The live attorneys, but in terms of what's in the let's say the PGA Tour handbook as it pertains to minimum threshold requirements for the PGA Tour players, conflicting releases, things of that nature. Those those little things in there uh, speak actually to a, a larger issue as it pertains to antitrust cases and a monopoly and, and things like that. And I don't know where things are going to fall, but it's, it's those nuanced issues and those nuanced sort of provisions. And again, I'm using the PGA Tour as opposed to the DP World Tour, but the PGA Tour handbook that I think are going to be determinative of how this case falls. Yeah, I've read through 40 pages of it and it's uh, <laughs> there's a ton of stuff. It's actually super interesting. I can't believe I'm saying that. Although it is jarring to go from like, watching the open at St. Andrews to reading a 106 page lawsuit, but there's a lot in there. And, and I, I struggled through this part. There's a lot in there about media rights and how um, the PGA tour, like changed some of their language and like a bunch of different stuff that I think applies to what you are referencing there, Sia, that, that all this will be figured out in the details. I think my, I've got, five different things written down my biggest reaction one of my biggest reactions to this as fans don't we sort of want monopolies in sports like Hmm. if you have two nfls i mean it's it's this sounds stupid but if you have two quarterbacks do you have any quarterbacks if you have two nfls do you have any nfls if you have two nbas do you have any nba i think I think some of this, like, I, I I actually understand some of where Liv is coming from in terms of, and I want to talk about independent contractors more later on and, and, and all that stuff. But don't as fans, like, isn't that what you want is a monopoly where all the best players are consolidated to play the best events in the world? If it gets spread out now, the, 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 the uh, rebuttal to that is is soccer, right? Where it's you've got the Italian league, you got the Spanish league, you got, got you got the best players playing all over. The difference is you've got an affinity for teams, and so you don't necessarily need all the best players consolidated. And you don't you don't necessarily have that in golf. I guess Live is trying to create that, but that was just something that struck me is. As fans, I don't know, I don't know what fan is rooting for. Like, well, you gotta, you you have to preserve the integrity of the independent contractor over giving me a good product to to root for on Saturdays and Sundays. I get what you're saying, and I agree with it. But I don't think what you described is a monopoly, right? Like, like it's a it's a meritocracy where the best players funnel into the best league. But the NFL is not saying you can't play in the CFL. If you're like, hey, I know you're not a member of the NFL, but you also can't play in the CFL. That would be a monopoly, right? Well, but yeah, but the PGA Tour is saying you can't play in the Live League. Right. That's why Phil Mickelson's saying this is a monopoly. Oh, okay. Okay. I I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying there. Um, So, Kyle, just for the record, so I, I think you're right. 
uh, about what you're saying about sports leagues. Like, yeah, I don't want a fractured NFL. I don't want a fractured NBA because then you're just like soccer. It's it's kind of hard to follow b- because of all of those leagues, in my opinion. But I think the, your premise is flawed because I think what the live lawyers are going to argue is in. By the way, I'm I'm literally just presenting the counter argument, not that I'm in favor of. No, the no, no. We know this is your opinion. <laughs> well, yeah. So let me just play devil's advocate for a second. Hey, I'm think, employed. I'm employed by the PGA Tour, so be as careful. As we've learned, here. and yeah, and we also yeah. learned you were employed by Live at some points too. So <laughs> it's a little messy and a little muddy. The reason I say the premise is flawed is because. What you're suggesting is that the PGA Tour, as it exists right now, is the best product that we're ever going to have. And the the argument from the other side is, well, yeah, that's true now, but here's what we're doing over here. And in 10 years, we might be the better product for the consumer. We might be the better product for the golfers. And it's, it's that premise that I think is going to be the argument from the other side. Well, okay. whether it's true or not, it is actually almost irrelevant. It's do they have the ability to compete to actually have that throne, if you will. So here's a question then for you, the, the, Sia, as I listen to what you have to say, which has a lot of um, merits. Let's say I'm working for company A and we make widgets. And then I get um, seconded by company B who's making widgets also, but I've got a contract with current company and there's a certain restraint of trade. So I can't go and work for the same place and take all of my knowledge and all that sort of stuff over to the direct competition. So, so, so how do you qualify that? Because in, in, on the organizational side of things with big monopolies, companies, for lack of a better word, there's restraint of trades everywhere. And you get people that are held out of the, um, out of their line of work for years upon end before they can go and work for, a competitor. So I'm interested to see how, so how, how that plays. It's a fair analogy. I, I guess my response would be, well, is that person an employee or an independent contractor? Although I don't think yeah. that's like a huge, huge part of this case necessarily. But then the, the, the bigger question from monopoly or an antitrust standpoint with your widget example, company A and company B is, is company A doing anything to inhibit company B from, from competing, from, from just competing, not from taking over, but from just flat out competing. And if for some reason there's provisions in company A's bylaws or handbooks that make it seem like they are not only trying to own that employee or independent contractor, but they're trying to own all of the employees and the independent contractors such that if company B cannot exist, then that's when you have an antitrust problem. Okay, but uh, all right. So let's say, like everyone's saying, well, we're independent contractors. I, I've had this conversation with Louis Westes and with Bryson DeChambeau. I've talked about it, all of it, and that's what they're saying. They're like, Bryson's like, I didn't have my media rights. That's all he complained about all the time. Louis is like, I'm getting too old playing with the youngsters. I'm going to go with the guaranteed money. These guys aren't independent contractors as much as what they think they are because they have to play a certain number of events for live next year. That's part of their deal for the money. So, well, they, yes. I, I I agree with that, Mark. And I think, you know, I, I people people hear the word independent contractor, and I think that they think uh, people that like frame your house and they frame a bunch of houses like all over the county or all over the city or whatever, and they work for a bunch of different people. But the reality of of independent contractors on the PGA Tour is more. So my my when I started working at CBSSports.com in twenty thirteen. I was a, I, I worked full time for CBSSports.com, but I was still a 1099. I was still an independent contractor. Like I, I, but I had to put in a certain amount of hours every week. 
and CBS has been generous to let me go do other side projects and other stuff like that. As long as I, as long as it was reasonable and I ran it by them. And, and to me, that's more of what we're talking about here with the PGA tour and the PGA tour. I mean, I was reading the handbook today, Sia, and mm-hmm. it says like, and, and we all knew this. I just wanted to confirm like what the language was. You can go play three events a year as long as it's reasonable and you run it by us. You can, it, it, it's, I, I feel like sometimes we're acting as if like you couldn't do anything else ever outside of the PGA tour. And that's just not, that's not true at all. Like it's categorically not true. Now, did they mess up by prohibiting players from, from getting that first waiver into the live event in London? That kind of confused me because I thought they would allow them up to kind of the maximum of, you know, using two, three that, that they had for the year. And then say, yo, like it says you can't do more than three and then cut them off after that. I, I think that part of it is interesting and something that maybe hasn't been talked about a ton. But I I, I don't I feel like we have not been fr- uh, I feel like people have not been framing the independent contractor conversation uh, in good faith up to this point. There is a couple more interesting wrinkles and we haven't even gotten to the PGA tours response to this yet, but um, we got to pay for lawyers. So we're going to take a a quick break and hear a word from our partners. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. And we're back. Uh, the other wrinkle here, and and Mark, I'll go to you first on this because we saw something uh, about this uh, a couple of weeks ago at the Scottish Open. So there are 11 players in the big lawsuit, and then three have also filed a temporary restraining order. Taylor Gooch, Hudson Swafford, Matt Jones in an attempt to play in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Now, Mark, we just saw this. We saw a judge grant a stay to Adrian Otegi, Ian Poulter, and I cannot remember the third golfer. I believe Uh, it was Justin Harding for the Scottish Open. Mm -hmm. For the Scottish Open. So this is actually kind of like a under-the-wire attempt to get yourself into the FedEx Cup playoffs. Yeah, and because I think certain individuals are realizing that, whoa, wait a second, my world ranking is plummeting sort of by the day, by the week right now. And the FedEx Cup playoffs, about, apart from like a huge bonus financial incentive, these things, you get into the top 30 at Eastlake and you guaranteed all the major events, all of the invitationals. It's essentially free reign to go and play wherever you please and set your schedule. So I'm sure these guys are going, Phew. well, we saw this at the Scottish Open. Granted, that was granted by a, a, a judge over in, United Kingdom. Well, now they're filing in Northern California, I think it was, or wherever it was. 
which I want Sia's opinion on why they filed where they did. I'm sure that's got some reason. Uh, and this is just, they're just realizing, well, wait a second, I might have made all this money, but this thing that everyone's saying that, well, you everyone's got a price, you know, playing in the major events, playing in the Players' Championship, playing in these things, they mean a lot. And, and that's where world ranking points play a real big deal. Okay, see, I I am not a lawyer, but I have been on Twitter for the last twenty minutes, and from what I understand, these like temporary restraining orders or these stays, like you can almost like shop these around to federal judges, right? Like, oh, we're gonna file in the sixth district of California or the second district of Florida. like almost where they feel like they can get a good a, get a good pool on it, can't they? I'm sure yeah. Phil's got a got a few few of those people yeah. that he he can <laughs> call in favors for. <laughs> It's got some judges on the payroll. No, I don't know. But uh, like, right, you can kind of shop this. You can. I mean, some cases are different. This type of case, uh, you you could shop. You could shop the venue and you could shop for a district that you know is more prone or inclined to grant stays. I mean, there are cases where you, you can't shop the jurisdiction. Like if, you know, just your, your run of the mill civil defense case, somebody gets in a car accident in, in Broward County, right. you know, that that's going to be tried in Broward County Circuit Court. But these like more like federal type cases, you can you tend to be able to shop venue. And then, by the way, the other party can can move to strike the venue and go to another venue, but they have to have grounds for that, of course. So I don't know um, anything about the Northern District of California in particular, but I would imagine there was a very good reason. And I would imagine they think there that these three players can get their stay. And honestly, I, because it would be really hard for a court to rule, just like it was in the DP World Tour to have the information to rule on that, I would imagine that stay will be granted until a final decision is made, which means I think those three players will be able to play in the FedEx Cup playoffs, assuming they are actually qualified in the top 125. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay, Kyle, consider this for a minute, all right? Let's say the stay gets passed. And from what I understood from speaking with one or two individuals last week in Detroit, the tour is making provisions for this becoming a likelihood. Now, I'm Hudson Swafford, who already is persona non grata down in South Georgia where he lives because of what he did. Imagine coming in there, just swanning into Memphis, going to the players' locker room and going, yeah, boys, <laughs> nice to see you all again. Uh, I, I, I'm keen to see how this whole thing plays out. Well, uh, yeah. Initial level, but just on an interpersonal sort of level on tour. Totally, because I think it's, I mean, I pulled the, uh, it, I think it's different when, like those guys, I mean, what did Fred Couple say about Pat Perez? You're a grain of sand on the tour. And that's what, <laughs> That's what a lot, I mean, you know, like Phil's different, right? And Brooks is different. Like those guys are like, they have like real stature in the game historically. Although I did pull a, the Phil quote from the 2014 Ryder Cup where he said, at least we don't litigate against each other. Talking about Rory and, and uh, Graham, was it Graham McDowell? I think that had that, uh, the lawsuit. I, I can't, what, what, do you remember that? No, no. I can't remember the specifics, but I'll pull it up in a second, but uh, Phil said, at least we don't litigate it against each other. I tweeted that out today because uh, it's come full circle eight years later. But um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be strange. It's going to knock. I mean, <laughs> Patrick McDonald, one of our other writers or our only other writer was saying today, like it would be pretty crazy if it knocked uh, Ricky Fowler stands to get, uh, get knocked out of the FedEx cup. He's like 123 or 124, something like that. Right. right, but there's a and, there's a provisional list that's yeah. built, built. There are two lists right now. We're we're kind <laughs> of under live guys. We're kind of under the impression that it would not knock guys out of the 125. They would expand it to 128. 
Yeah. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes sense. And would be probably fair. Um, Right. What else? Okay. How about about this? Sorry. You got more? No, go ahead. I'm going to, here's, here's the, I think this is a good time to talk about the response from Jay Monahan because he is kind of shaping this up towards what Marcus said. It's almost like, Hey, it's us against them. They're not suing the PGA tour. They're suing all of us boys, right? Like they're suing Rory and JT and everybody else. So Jay Monahan did not make a public statement, but there's a, a memo that went out to uh, the players and you can see it on, on Twitter. I won't read the whole thing, but he essentially goes on to say 11 of your former colleagues have filed suit against the PGA tour. He would continue by saying, we have been preparing to protect our membership and contest this latest attempt to disrupt our tour. And you should be confident in the legal merits of our position. And then at the end, he says, let me make it clear We will continue to defend the members who abide by regulations written by and for the players, which Sia, that is seemingly critical here, not only from like a rallying the troops standpoint of like, Hey, let's rally the troops here where it's, it's us versus them, but also kind of goes back to like the independent contractor conversation that we've been having. Yeah. And the the minimum threshold conversation too, because I mean, what he's really saying, I, I mean, what the PGA Tour will be saying, at least globally, is we have the right to maintain the integrity of our tour by having these these minimum threshold requirements, by having these three conflicting event releases so that our, our tour isn't watered down. That, it, that just obviously begs the next legal question, though, whether those provisions are appropriate or legal. But I mean, I, if I'm if I'm Jay Monahan, I, I released the same statement. He, they have a handbook that has whatever you want to call them in it bylaws. I don't know what you call the provisions in the handbook themselves. Otherwise, other than the handbook, but yeah, I mean, he is, he is abiding by what all these independent contractors or golfers have been abiding by for many, many, many years. So it's, it's, he's got good ground to stand on, but I think this is a new type of case because it's a new situation. There's a comment, Kyle, uh, from Tony, yeah. from Tony P that says, why would Tony the players know? And that would be cool. Tony P in the chat. It might be Tony Fina. I don't know. Maybe it goes by Tony P. Uh, Rick, why would players take this as a lawsuit against them as well? He goes on to say, Jay is a clown, yada, yada, yada. But um, that's not me saying that, Kyle, right? Like we've heard Justin Thomas say, they're suing me. They're suing Rory. They're suing Tiger. They're suing every single one of us that they've looked in the face, looked in the eyes and played rounds of golf with, played on cup teams with, shared moments with. They're suing us. I mean, they would end up paying for this lawsuit in some form or fashion, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I'm going to get into some technical ground <laughs> that I'm probably not qualified for here, but it's a little bit different. Like, if, like, let's pretend like players were suing, uh, the NFL. Let's say Tom Brady went and played in the Dubai Football League, the DFL, <laughs> the DFL. Yeah. And, <laughs> He wanted to play in the playoffs with the uh, who's he on the Buccaneers and they wouldn't let him. I, this is a ridiculous thing. But but my point is it, that that's not the same thing. That's not what I'm trying to say. But the point is, if he sued the NFL, he would be suing the owners because they're the they're the propri- proprietors of the NFL. PGA Tour is different because the players are the owners. Like they make up. There are no owners. There there is it, it and this is where it gets a little bit tricky because there's a bunch of different kind of governing boards within the PGA tour, but effectively 
the players make up the PGA Tour, not a group of owners, not an not a not an umbrella organization. The players are the tour, and so I think that's what JT is saying, and what sort of what you're saying when you kind of reference Phil or and all these players suing the tour. You're suing Tiger. You're suing JT. You're suing JT Poston. You're suing Scott Stallings. You know all those guys. And is that technically true? Um, yeah, I think it is. Is that how it actually plays out? Like, does Tiger have to go to court? I don't. I don't think that. But I. I think JT's point was sort of the, um, the 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 uh, spirit of the situation is like, yo, this is not a bunch of suits that you're suing. It's it's me. Like it's it's the guys that you have played golf with, and I think that's where the frustration comes from. The the suits will will battle it out. Mark, it's not going to be, you know, Jay Monahan making the arguments, but Jay Monahan's job right now seems to be one of rallying the troops. He asks in his memo, hey, if you feel so inclined to speak out about this, go ahead. Uh, do that. There, there is, we are now uh, also entering the court of public opinion, which is where a lot of these battles end up taking place. Mm-hmm. And you can see the troops assembling. Yeah, you certainly can, and, and always the tallest trees are going to catch the most wind, and and that certainly is a thing when it year on social media. But I'll tell you this about my encounters with Jay Monahan and his predecessor Tim Fincham, who Monahan worked for as a lieutenant. So Monahan learned from Fincham, but where Fincham was always sort of the corner office guy that was always in the tie that would show up at the functions and sort of glad handle and and go and meet with just the glitterati around the world. Jay Monahan's a real players commissioner. And, and I hearken back to when he single, not single-handedly, but they brought sport back during the lockdown when no other league was prepared to go and compete where Monahan was resolute about what was going on. And he caught all manner of wind. And I remember seeing him at events like the second event, the RBC Heritage back after Colonial. He was out there. It was a scorching day in the low country of South Carolina. He's walking around there in slacks and a, a uh, button down with the sleeves rolled up just sort of sweaty on the golf course just meeting with the players saying how are you doing and just kind of being a part of them so it's not this guy who's sort of ruling from on high saying you have to do this or you have to do that and so i can see why a number of the players who have not moved across to the to the other league are in behind their guy because they know he's for real and and he came to uh, pebble beach at the beginning of the year to meet with a crew of cbs announcers at this long table and he just sat there and he's like I'm here to answer your guys' questions. And, and sort of that's the guy that he is. So, yeah, I think right now he's going to be on the ground. He's going to be at every playoff event, meeting with his constituents, his membership, the guys that he essentially works for, and, and just showing, you know, solidarity, showing a, 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 um, a centralized front, for lack of a better term. I think – can I jump in here, Rick? I would – please, yes. Okay. I, I think, obviously, solidarity is great. I think it's – a part of good leadership. I I wonder if this is not, and, and I'm curious about Sia's take on this because you and I have not talked about this, Sia. I wonder if this is not the time, or I wonder if this is the time to, uh, I, don't, I don't know about if blow your organization up is the correct terminology, but flip your organization from being a nonprofit to a for-profit organization. And that that is messy right like that involves a lot of stuff that i'm not even that i have no idea about and i'm acknowledging that 
but it seems like a lot of the things that Liv is sort of alleging would it, are it, it, are only even like possible because they are a not-for-profit that employs independent contractors, right? And and it just it. I I wonder if this is not the time to like solidify yourself for the next. 15 20 25 years as a for-profit make it clear like yo you if you work here you work here and if you don't you don't and that's the deal it just it it seems like we're like sort of in this weird middle ground where that <laughs> they do work there but like you can kind of leave sometimes but not all not for 14 of it you know like it, it's just I, I i don't know if that, i don't think that would solve everything but man, it seems like a good opportunity to do that. And if you want to take it a step further, you could incorporate my idea about creating teams, incorporating the OEMs. I mean, what happens if 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 Titleist or Callaway eventually gets hooked up with Liv and starts pouring money into those, like as a team, as a as a team sponsor, and starts pouring money into there? That's not good if you're the PGA Tour, right? And you have an opportunity right now to where the, you still have you haven't reached a tipping point yet, and it might be coming. Uh, but you're not there yet. And I, I just, I feel like this is an opportunity for them to do something really cool. It would be dramatic and it might not work, but you know, not, a, not a lot of other stuff is working right now either. What do you think about that? Sia? is it hard to go from like a nonprofit to a for-profit organization? I, I don't think it's a difficult move to actually legally do it. I, I just <laughs> it's and, and everything I'll, else. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be honest. I don't I don't know like all of the implications of, of what that would serve for other than I think, Kyle, the point you're, you're making is maybe you make these golfers employees and, and therefore have a little bit more reign and say over where and when they cannot play. I don't know if that was sort of the angle you were going there. Totally. Yeah, so. it is. And I, I think that um, you just avoid a lot of these pitfalls and maybe that doesn't work uh, i did you know one of the implications i was talking to somebody in at st andrews about this and he was talking about how many volunteers it takes to put on pga tour events right and you can only have volunteers if you're a not-for-profit organization and that's a hundred million dollars hundred whatever the number is if you if you actually have to hire all those people throughout the year and there are probably 10 other implications like that that i haven't even thought of so i i understand that like that might not be even economically feasible and maybe i'm sure they've already talked through all this and they're like you're an idiot like you don't know what you're talking about but man i, I it does seem like an opportunity and i know that other sports i think baseball did this recently and maybe either foot i think football did as well over the last 10 or 15 years where they went from a non-profit to a for-profit and it again like legally i don't know what all the implications are but it does seem like you kind of shore yourself up a bit in ways that you're kind of exposed and vulnerable right now. It's interesting. Um, we do have to get out of here shortly. So see, let's game this out for a second. Uh, we mm -hmm. will probably get some type of resolution one way or another on this, uh, on the three players, the, uh, Gooch, Swafford, Matt Jones, uh, temporary restraining order. We will learn one way or another when they're going to, if they're going to be in the FedEx cup playoffs, because, uh, that starts next week. So we're, we're probably going to get something on that fairly quickly, right? hundred percent. Yep. Okay. So, what does the rest of this look like, right? Is there going to be a jury trial where <laughs> Phil Mickelson <laughs> testifies uh, on behalf of Liv? I hope right? so. Like, like, what is that a year? Like, what is even possible? Or do does this just go to like arbitration and like 
rooms of suits argue this for 18 months and then come to some type of agreement. Uh, arbitrate. I would use the word mediation. I, okay. I do think that it probably serves everybody's interest uh, across all the tours to solve this before it gets to any sort of bench trial, or because that's probably, probably be in front of a judge given the uh, given the legal issues. Although I don't, I don't know that for a fact. But the point is, yeah, I think think this is probably going to get worked out one way or the other. There are so many things that are implicated in a long drawn out lawsuit, not, not just the bad PR that and I'm not even saying that's the PGA tour. Maybe Lip gets bad PR DP world tour. I'm not sure, but there's also discovery. You know, there's a lot of things that get sort of handed over to the other side on, on, on both sides, actually request for production of documents, for example, where they, they can be very broad and a lot of stuff can get turned over that, isn't isn't great because you have these you have all of these people working for whether it's dp world tour or live or whatever then like there's email correspondences those are all sort of admissible at, at least as it pertains to discovery and there's so many things there's so many little issues that can kind of turn up there you can kind of use discovery as a sword especially against the pga tour and and i don't know that anybody's going to be super comfortable with the what they perceive the legal outcome to be so given that cost benefit analysis where you don't really know exactly what the benefit is from a legal standpoint, I think the parties are going to end up coming together. Maybe not soon, but at some point they're going to come together and they're going to try to figure out a way for everybody to coexist. What, okay, so real quick, and this is not just for SIA, but I keep hearing people say like, okay, they need to, and not I'm not talking about you, SIA, but people on Twitter are like, oh, they got to work things out. They got to... They got to figure this out. They got to they got to come to the table and and uh, you know come to some sort of agreement. What the hell does that look like? Like I I I, I don't I don't know what it looks like for Live and for the PGA Tour to be in like I I just is it is does it look like the European Tour to the PGA Tour where you can have membership on both tours and then like the problem with that is that. Live is the only organization that would be a a uh, an employer, right? The DP World Tour is structured the same as the PGA Tour, so you got to play all fourteen events over there, right? So if you're if you're Kepka, you got fourteen, you got the four majors that you're ostensibly playing in. Which again, I think I think the real lawsuit here is going to be OWGR and Live, like that's the one that's going to determine the future of professional golf. But let's say you're playing those 18 events. Are you gonna are you gonna play seven more PGA Tour events after telling me you're sick of playing golf? No. Like I, I don't know what the resolution is between the two tours, and you know if if Taylor Gooch wants like if 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 the court uh, rules in favor of Liv and Taylor Gooch wants to get his OWGR points, he's gonna play in like 31 events. He's gonna be like Sung Jay, like playing every week. And I just don't know if that's a and who's to say that Liv isn't going to increase the number of events to 18 next year or in two years? I, I, I just don't know what resolution between these organizations actually looks like. There will be I mean, lawyers. Maybe yeah, we'll get gets you. I was just going to say that's I mean, you mentioned the word lawyers like welcome to billable hours like you're gonna because right. I don't know what it looks like either, Kyle. I, I think and I don't know that there's a resolution. I, I just know that. I think just in my experience practicing law for 13 years, and again, no antitrust cases for me, but 
a lot of these things that seem like they can't get resolved end up getting resolved because the parties, A, don't want to go through the cost, expense, and PR nightmare of litigation, and B, aren't comfortable with their projected outcome. In other words, they think they might lose. They're not really sure. And I'm not, again, I'm saying that on the live side too. Yeah, so that yeah. usually brings parties to the negotiating table or mediating table, and then you figure it out. You just figure it out. Well, I'm very much looking forward to the wall-to-wall courtroom coverage that will be on Golf Channel every day for three weeks. Could you imagine if we tuned into that? And uh, Sia, are you are you contract? You could be you could be all over this thing. You you could be a you could be contract labor all for eight different entities here. I'm I'm waiting for the PGA Tour to call me, uh, and I have a if, really low billable rate. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about if it. If they want to try this in Clark County, I'll be first in line for jury duty. Put me on that jury, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. We'll throw me out before I uh, even get a sniff of it. Uh, all right, we have like 60 seconds. Anything else but like that has to come out right now before we move on? Mark? Yeah, I wanted to say this. Uh, look, in the first go around with Greg Norman, it was Greg Norman's world tour against the PGA Tour. Yeah, we've got the live tour of this is functionally uh, um, bankrolled by the Saudi Arabian government versus the PGA Tour. I'm just wondering if that has any sort of a thing when it starts to go to the federal level, if it does go that high in court. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's a good point. Makes sense. Anything good. else? We got to go. Anything else? Well, real quick, I do want to say just if we just take a step back from the litigation and whatever this sort of nightmare is for, for everybody involved, I, I think if you if you take a step back and you see who's on the KFT tour or, or Corn Ferry tour, and, and if you see like all the influx of brand new golfers to most people like Cameron Young or Davis Riley. Like I'm not as worried about the PGA tour as, as some people are. I do think there's going to be more people after the FedEx cup that, that go over there. And some of them are stars. Some, some are stars right now over there, but I just think we have, we have the benefit. I shouldn't say we, the PGA tour has the benefit of an influx of talent that we don't even know or appreciate yet. And as long as they market that talent appropriately, I just, I think the PGA tour is going to be fine. And I'm, I'm not worried about, a mass exodus over there, especially the way they're structured. Yeah. I last thing for me, I think um I've been pretty consistent on this. I think you I think it's hard to to tell guys like, hey, you, you actually can't go work over there, but we're also not going to guarantee you any money over here on the PGA tour. And I realize that they're guaranteed 430 million, but no single player is guaranteed anything. And I think it's a tough look. I don't think Monahan shouldn't make $5 million. I think that's fine. I think that's great. I think it's appropriate, but it's hard when your commissioner is guaranteed $5 million and none of your players are guaranteed anything. And listen, I love the meritocracy of golf. I think it's beautiful. I just don't know that it works in the 21st century in the it, with the amount of money that's being thrown around. I just don't know that it works for the PGA tour. And so I, that's been, I've been sort of, I've flipped on a bunch of different stuff. I've been consistent on that. And I think that that is the direction, whether we like it or not, that the PGA Tour probably needs to head going into the future. That's Kyle Porter. You can find him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. It's producer Jacob who does all the hard work behind the scenes. It's Mark Immelman right there who's available at Mark underscore Immelman. And a very special thank you to Sia Najad for talking us through every little detail. He is available on Twitter at Sia Najad. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. 